Better is one day in your courts and in your house. Oh, guess what? I had one of those again. I thought I had this up, but no. Okay. So we're going to have to go uh, ad lib. <laughs> <laughs> Today we're going to read a passage, if I can find a Bible. (laughs) And um, we're going to be reading in Luke, chapter 21, starting in verse uh, 5. And it says as follows. When some were speaking about the temple and how it was adorned with beautiful stones and gifts dedicated to God, he said, As for these things that you see, the days will come when not one stone will be left upon one another. All will be thrown down. And they asked him, Teacher, when will this be? And what will be the sign that this is about to take place? And he said, Beware that you are not led astray, for many will come in my name and say, I am he, and the time is near. And Jesus says, Do not go after them. When you hear of wars and insurrections, do not be terrified. For these things must take place first, but the end will not follow immediately. And then he said to them, Nations will rise against nation and kingdom against kingdom. And there will be great earthquakes and in various places famines and plagues. And there will be dreadful portents and great signs from heaven. But before all this occurs, they will arrest you and persecute you. They will hand you over to synagogues and prisons. And you will be brought before kings and governors because of my name. This will give you an opportunity to... So make up your minds not to prepare your defense in advance. 
For I will give you words and a wisdom that none of your opponents will be able to withstand or contradict. You will be betrayed even by parents and brothers, by relatives and friends, and they will put you, and they will put some of you to death. You will be hated by all because of my name, but not a hair of your head will perish. By your endurance, you will gain your souls. Let's pray. Father, as we come to this time of our worship service, we ask God that your presence and your spirit will use your word to inspire us, to equip us, to help us see the world from different angles than what we have considered. We ask this in your name. Amen. And amen. So as you now know, I'm going to have to put all this away and go to this text really unprepared. But I do have something for you. I had this great sermon written. It was the best of the year. <laughs> it's interesting that we've been talking about wholeness and today is the last of our series so please start making your appointments for the psychiatrist and the psychologist and all the counseling sessions that we will need um, following this the big question that we have in our title today is what about the future and as we consider this theme of wholeness and we put ourselves in that space of tomorrow, the future, we may come to that realization that we are not in control. But still, we make plans as if we were. I heard this morning a preacher saying that when Jesus says that um, he is the way, the truth, and the life, we don't want to believe that, really, because it sounds so exclusive. But when you're going into an airplane, you better have a ticket. Right? And, 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 and in, in, in many ways, the text that we look at is sort of speaking to that space and time of the I don't know. Now it does this with an image. It brings up, the first thing it brings up is the temple. They were speaking to each other about this beautiful and adorned edifice. 
and Jesus refers to it as for these things that you see the days will come when not one stone will be left upon another so the question comes to mind immediately what is my temple what are those things that we consider in our lives as so important that we think we can't do without them obviously the temple was just more than just an edifice right we know that the temple meant much more than that there's a symbolism that comes with it in the past of this story in the history of Israel they had not a temple but a tent and that tent moved from place to place wherever they were wandering in the desert there was that presence so the temple the tent was that symbol of the presence of God with them not only that but it was the place where they gathered the place where they had their identity invested that was the place when people when other people would come around and say who are these people oh those are the ones of the one God after coming into Canaan and after their history fast forwards a little bit then they start putting rocks down in a shape as they were instructed they build this edifice and they settle down what happens when you settle down somewhere you become familiar you go roots you start to feel comfortable and that becomes home so when Jesus says that all that is going to be shaken that means a lot to those who are listening it means that their world was going to be rattled in a way that they had not experienced before and immediately the question comes up teacher when teacher when I don't know if you hear what's behind that question I don't know if you hear everything that is packaged in that one word teacher how do I prepare for that teacher how in the world am I going to cope teacher what do I have to put away so that I am ready teacher how am I going to handle my finances when the temple is not the place where I'm going to be able to practice my trade teacher what's going to happen when my college degree is no longer worth anything teacher 
how in the world am I going to cope without a home? If you really think about that statement, that question, you will, you will find yourself in there somewhere, somehow. Because we are always dependent on the things where we have put our roots in and we have settled into. What do you do? And Jesus does understand where they're at. Jesus does figure that he should provide to them some leads so that they can set themselves, prepare themselves, so to speak, into what is going to happen in their lives. And he does start to set up a picture of what's going to happen. So, we've seen these things, right? Can you go back, that, back to the scripture and, and, and read and see the things that Jesus is talking about? He's talking about wars, famines, destruction, plagues that are going to come. And we know a little bit about history because we've gone to school, right? Some of us. I went a little bit. I wasn't paying attention most of it. But I did learn that in our past, in the history of the world, all these things have been manifested. Right? And now, we even see more. Sign, great signs from heaven. Climate change is inserted in here. <laughs> and then he says, but wait, don't go all the way over there. Come back a little bit and see yourselves and what's going to happen even before that. He says, you're going to suffer. I had this, this whole thing that this fellow pastor had done. I, I, I have an article. I'm going to share this with you because for those of us who are of the boomer generation, it is going to click in a way that is crazy. He explains that he's reflecting upon the time when we ha he was graduating from high school, graduating from college, and all the speeches that came along with that. All the speeches where now you go and create a life for yourselves. Right? I mean, that's the, right? Rah, rah, rah. Now's your turn. And most of the speakers, they, they set up a, a, a way of how the world is working and then points to the students and say now you're going to change everything Any, anybody remember the yuppies right yuppies what, what, does, what, what does that stand for young urban 
right? Up-and-coming professionals, right? 80s and the 90s, what the times of the yuppies. Where are the yuppies now? <laughs> right? Where are the yuppies now? I mean, we speak to so much about the millennial generation that we forget what happened to the others. <laughs> so he's reflecting upon that. And he says, 40 years has passed. Now we find ourselves here. He was part of the Jesus movement. Anybody heard about that? Yes. A spiritual movement, right? And an awakening that just spoke to a lot of young people. And those became yuppies. And they had all their chips, as to speak, invested in their careers, invested in moving upward, invested in getting homes, invested in having a stash of money for when they retired, and they forgot about their present struggles. They forgot to the point where all kinds of havoc happened in their lives. His statement was that because we forgot and we took our eyes off of Jesus, we came to the place where all this suffering was coming ahead, was making us go crazy. Insecurity was making them afraid. We've heard of churches that are closing down around us. Right? It was those same people. <laughs> those who made it, as the yuppie generation you could call, made it, right, and progressed, and those who didn't. We find those that are gathered around in congregations winding down. And now what? Their temples disappearing. The place of gathering, the place of learning, the place of community, the place where I could create an identity and connect with it is going away. And Jesus says, you will suffer. You will suffer because you're going to suffer persecution. You're going to suffer because people will come against you. They'll hand you over to synagogues and prisons. And you will be brought before kings and governors because of my name. And the statement that comes in in verse 13, I think, is one that we should listen to and pay attention to. Listen to again and pay attention to one more time. Please, let's read it together. This will give you an opportunity to 
testify. When I read this, I was like, okay, so what in the world does that mean? And what in the world does that mean for me? Not for you all. You, you have to figure that out yourselves, right? <laughs> what in the world does that mean for me? Because as I understand it, I've struggled all through my experience as a young yuppie that couldn't make it. <laughs> I mean, I should have had my million dollar house by now, right? <laughs> I should have had my vehicles, right, of at least two years old. <laughs> Missed that one. I should have had all the goodies that come. All I, all I can say I have is good guitars. But not all the ones that I wish I had. <laughs> so what does that mean for me? Have I felt the oppression uh, of, of the communities, uh, of this system, of this culture? Have I experienced this? Well, in many ways I have. At work. With those who are around me. Even in the church. Wow, hello. Yeah. Those who have a different way of thinking, a different theological bend, a different perspective. They have become the oppressor in many ways. This will give you an opportunity to testify. So, if we look at that verse and we put it in the context of what's going around, the temple destroyed, the temple not being that place where we find identity, community, theology, and all the things that equip us as a people will be gone. And what are you going to do? Mm -hmm. So what this means, and I'm, I'm going back to what I was reading from this pastor. It was a great part of this great sermon that I wrote that I don't have in front of me. Um, he says, and now what? We've come to this place, and what do we stand for? This question probably relates to the fact that that church is closed. Mm. And now what? His comment, of course, very particular to his perspective, says, and it is definitely an evangelical church, he says, as evangelical Christians, we were more focused on having a great service. Mm. But we forgot about being disciples. Mm. We forgot about training ourselves to deal with the realities of the now. We're so focused on salvation and heaven that we miss the point of today. Mm. And I thought that that is a challenge to all of us who say that our followers of Christ, right? Right. 
It is a challenge to everyone that says that I have faith. Will you have faith when everything that you have built crumbles? Will you have faith if you find yourself in that space and time when you are homeless? Will you have faith when all the support systems around you no longer exist? What a challenge. Well, think about it. He even says your family is going to be part of it. How do you prepare? The very next verse. <laughs> the very next verse. So make up your minds not to prepare your defense in advance. <laughs> I don't get it. Jesus, what in the world are you doing to me? I don't get it. You're going to testify. This is great opportunity for us to testify, but at that moment, you will have to be ready, all ready. And the only way to be ready, all ready is to trust God. For I will give you words and a wisdom that none of your opponents will be able to withstand or contradict. So let me ask you a question. Where do you find yourself now? Where do you find yourself today? Do you find yourself today in a place where you have this peace that goes beyond understanding? Do you find yourself in a place where all the things that are around us that tend to make us anxious about life are not that important? Do you find yourself in a place where government is not the one that is determining how you feel? I'm sure that this made a lot of sense to the disciples because they were under a very oppressive government and still had to exist within it. You will be hated at all because of my name. Scott the other day said, I've been given the opportunity. <laughs> he asked for permission. I can, wear, I can wear a Jesus shirt to work. Amen. <laughs> <laughs> you will be hated, but not a hair of your head will perish. Now think about that. We have seen all the historical context of this text. Because what happened after the temple got destroyed was the Christians were persecuted, right? And you remember the Roman fiestas, right? They had tacos, vendors in the Colosseum. 
No. No? Oh, okay. <laughs> and what was the entertainment? Gladiators. Gladiators. And they had Christians brought in, eaten by animals. I mean, it was great entertainment. And you read these words and say, You will be hated by all because of my name, but not a hair of your head will perish. To me, that does not make sense. No. Does it? <laughs> but the very next text, verse, is by your endurance, you will gain your souls. And that challenged my thinking. Because we always think of protection in physical terms. Right? right? Yes. Yes. We always think of being safe in physical terms. We always think of being at peace in physical terms. Not a hair of your head will perish. So, in thinking about tomorrow, in thinking about that space and time when we don't necessarily know what's going to happen, in thinking about us. Do you feel safe? Do you feel at peace? Do you feel like if anything happens in your life that rocks your world, you will be okay? Do you have that confidence? Do you have that trust? I had a great ending to my sermon. Unfortunately, I don't have it in front of me. And my memory is faulty. I'm old. Mm -hmm. <laughs> but those texts, again, continue to challenge me. How is that going to be? How do I react today to what the world brings, to all the things that happen in, our, in my life? When we were praying in the back, and I'm sorry I'm going to bring this up, but we were praying. George said, Lord, grant me the serenity. You, you know this prayer, right? Oh, yeah. huh? To accept the things I cannot change. The courage to know the, right, to know and the difference. There you go. And I thought about that. To accept the things I cannot change. So, I wonder if the Lord is trying to communicate 
to us that there is a place where we can be at peace. That we can experience serenity in our lives even in the middle of the junk. That that is not only attainable but it is a reality. Even if the temple crumbles. Even when the things that we have attached ourselves to disappear. That then when there is nothing else that we can hang on to, there is still Jesus. That when nothing in the physical world can supply our need, there is still Jesus. Well, what about tomorrow? Let's pray.